SBS Radio. I'm joined by Dr. Clinton Schultz, psychologist and co-founder of Sober, Australia's first non-alcoholic craft beer, also one of the highlights of Indigenous Business Month 2022. Yama, Dr. Schultz. Yama to you too, brother. Now, tell us about your extraordinary journey, a doctor creating a beer brand. I may add a non-alcoholic beer, though. I stopped drinking about eight years ago. Uh, that was a decision that I made uh, based on, you know, wanting my children to have an opportunity to see something different um, than, I guess, the regular that happens within Australian society. And I quickly realised after I stopped drinking uh, that that I love beer. I love the flavour of beer. Um, I had no interest in alcohol, but I still wanted to be able to enjoy the flavour of a good quality non-alcoholic adult beverage. I got the sopa is not just another craft beer, it's a creation that is also inspired by your culture, Gamilaroi culture. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a very proud Gamilaroi man. If I was going to go into a into a business like this, I wanted to, to ensure that it was done, you know, very much aligned with our ways of knowing and being and doing. So a lot of the things that I've been fortunate enough to learn about our Dario Gamal, our, our law, uh, I've tried to to put in place as i guess guiding principles for the way that we run our business very much around i guess notions of respect and responsibility and reciprocity and and connectedness and you know our central philosophy at at sober is do less harm and do more good and that's what we try to strive to do every day so we know that being in a manufacturing business and making a product at some level we're creating harm on this planet but we want to as much as possible and wherever possible, we want to be able to offset that by by producing good. And uh, where is uh, this beer abroad? Uh, is it based in New South Wales? Where about uh, do you have your facilities? Yeah, we actually contract brew at present at um, a large facility down in Goulburn, um, sort of halfway between Sydney and Canberra. Uh, at the moment, while we wait for our brewery to be completed, um, we were due to open our doors in July this year, but due to all the terrible weather that we've had, you know, in the southeast Queensland, Northern Rivers area uh, over the last 12 months, it, it really has put our project behind. So we'll hopefully have the doors open for everybody to come and join us um, in our non-out brewery and native foods cafe in for the Easter holidays next year. Easter holidays next year, that's a long way to wait. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, the project's about nine months behind. And, uh, you know, when everything's made from concrete, there's not much you can do when it constantly rains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to give it time to dry and, uh, yeah, yeah, fully understandable. And you say you want to create spaces for traditional, spiritual and culturally influenced choices and uh, healing opportunities outside the reliance mm-hmm. on government funding and control. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, I'm a psychologist by profession, and and it's always really frustrated me that, uh, you know, a lot of the grassroots initiatives that we see happening in our communities that are really driven by our ways of understanding, you know, social-emotional well-being or holistic being and and a lot around spirit don't get a lot of support from funding bodies, be those from large NGO or from government bodies. And so you see these great programs pop up and then just fall away and, and, and therefore they're not there for communities anymore because they can't get the support that they need and that's always really you know bugged me and uh, and so you know when I went into this I wanted to be able to look at a way that we might be able to 
one, raise awareness for those great programs that are out there, but two, also look at how might we be able to raise some independent funds that we can use to help support um, some some of those initiatives that we can see are doing deadly work in the communities. Yeah, I can uh, see exactly where you're coming from because when you get government funding, well, you might have uh, a government that's um, responsive to your ideas and uh, mm. then they're voted out and the next one comes in and... Um, uh, everything changes. Uh, your funding can dry out very, very quickly and you find yourself in dire straits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And, you know, the health space is inherently colonially biased. You know, our whole health structure and the legal system around that health structure and the financial system around that health structure are all governed by colonial practices and colonial institutions. And so it's very hard for us as First Nations mobs to, to find space within that to work from our ways of knowing and being and doing it can be very difficult and, you know, I've seen personally people that have significantly had their own social emotional well-being impacted on by trying to work in this space when the boundaries just, you know, were never created in a way that would, you know, culturally responsive to us and for us. Yeah, and this topic comes actually very timely because October is not only Indigenous Business Month, but it's also Mental health Mental month. Health month. Yep. Yeah, and as a psychologist, you're in both spaces, and uh, what a coincidence. So I'm very fortunate. You know, I, I have sober running in the background, and we've got a wonderful team there running our business, and it's a very proudly owned and, and run First Nations business. But I'm also very fortunate that, you know, I'm the director of First Nations Strategy and Partnerships with Black Dog Institute. So I'm now getting to do, you know, quite a bit of work around looking at how can we make our systems and our responses more culturally responsive in that social emotional well-being space. It would be interesting when we start talking about sober in the midst of uh, Mental Health Month. We must be very careful or else. <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the best uh, compliments that we can have you know, in what we do is when people who don't drink beer drink our beer and they go, oh, yuck, it tastes like beer. And that's when, I, you know, that's when I've done my job. So um, it is it is 100% beer. It's just non-alcoholic. So it's for people who, for whatever reason, at whatever time, are choosing not to drink. You know, that might be people who've got health conditions. It might be mob who are having to drive others around at whatever time. It might just be mob like me who just choose not to drink at all. When we talk about this beer, I was just looking at uh, the type of beer that you make. There are different, uh, there's a variety of uh, flavors and also Mm. you include native ingredients. Most of our beers have all been infused with different native ingredients. Um, You know, we've got such beautiful ingredients in this country, such beautiful native produce that, you know, many Australians are completely oblivious to. And, and that's largely because they haven't had the opportunity to to trial these in in novel ways that are readily and everyday available. You know, they've often been used as a fancy garnish or a fancy ingredient in expensive restaurants, which has cut out a whole bunch of people from being able to try some of the beautiful stuff that we've got, you know, naturally here in this environment. And I've always been passionate about trying to help people to get back to those foods. You know, the broader public, not so much our mob, we've always eaten these, but we want the broader public to start consuming these because it's better for country. The more we can, you know, build the industry of of native foods in Australia and we can start, I guess, planting out some of the introduced things that have been brought here, the better it is for our country and therefore the better it is for us. 
Some of the native ingredients are really suitable to incorporate in many beverages, especially as uh, there is uh, growing gentrification and uh, sophistication happening around us when you go to some uh, boutique outlets and uh, they just throw some finger lime in your drink instead of your regular lime or lemon or even orange. It adds an unusual and very special touch to the drink. It is, um, how would I say it? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, there's some. There's a few ingredients that have become, you know, very popular, and that's yeah. I think largely due to uh, a couple of uh, cooking-based TV shows that have been popular over the last few years, and the way that they've used uh, particular produce on those shows. But what that's done is, I think, opened people's awareness to, um, you know, as I said, the, the the beauty of of what we have available, and we just want to continue to expand that. But what we're very mindful of, and something that particularly in Indigenous Business Month, that everybody should be mindful of is that, unfortunately, the vast majority of that industry, so, you know, about 98-plus percent of the native foods industry is actually owned and managed by non-Indigenous people. So it's an opportunity for us as First Nations peoples to actually be a part of this economic system that we are told we should be a part of while maintaining our connection to country and to those to those plants that we that we hold kin with, called kinship and story and, and law with, I've always viewed this native food space as a great opportunity for us to maintain that connection while being able to transverse, I guess, this two-world space. But unfortunately, at the moment, we're heavily kind of um, blocked out of it, and, and that needs to change. Yeah, we need creative thinkers and investors like yourself, otherwise uh, no progress in view. And it's hard for, you know, there's only been a couple of generations where, as First Nations peoples, we've really had the opportunity to be a part of these economic systems. So there isn't that intergenerational wealth that, you know, is required to to invest heavily in, in business and in industry. So unfortunately, at the moment, we are heavily reliant on non-Indigenous peoples and organisations to walk with us while we build the capacity of our own families and our own communities, our own organisations to, to really take the lead in this space. You know, the key is we need people to walk with us, not do for us yeah. and not try and tell us what we have to do. We need people who, who are prepared to look at how they came about their wealth and what has been extracted from us as First Nations peoples for that to occur and then are willing to go, you know what, the right thing to do is to give something back, to, to give a helping hand and to walk with First Nations peoples um, who are the rightful owners of place of and, and everything place, that yeah. is on place. Yeah, no, because this is this is exactly the contradiction we have in this country: resource rich and um, extremely well doing well, but uh, really leaving behind uh, First Nations people living in uh, third world conditions. Uh, the rightful owners are left behind and uh, discriminated against. This is something that uh, definitely needs to change. Coming back to the beer, soba. The name uh, is it a play on uh, the word soba, or it's um... yeah, yeah, it's, it's absolutely a play on the word soba. So basically, it's taking the word soba, and then if you use that suffix bah or the sound of that bar in many of the eastern board languages over here, um, you know, on, on the eastern coastline, that that suffix of bar means you know place of. And so for me, it was a bit of a play on the words, a place of sobriety place of sober yeah 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 no no it's a, it's a very good play of words because it also gives when you read it when i first saw it i couldn't even tell it's a beer a name or a beer or anything and then started reflecting and thinking about it and uh, yeah i just so cut that it could uh, be a play on uh, sober now yeah 
with this, because it's just reading the range that you've got, the product that you put out there, I don't think it's just for Australia. Are you looking at uh, export markets uh, once it gets up and running properly? Absolutely. So we've already had you know, quite a lot of interest from uh, the UK and, and several other countries in Europe, and, and we just actually exported our first few pallets off to the US um, to do some market testing over there as well. I actually see the international market as being our, our biggest opportunity for growth as a business. I don't think you can get a more authentic Australian beverage and, and brand than, than what we have. And I think uh, a global market is really looking for that. So we're hopeful that uh, opportunities overseas will really take off in the next 12 months. If you include native ingredients, I'm pretty sure it will be genuinely appreciated. Uh, I was recently in Europe a few months ago, and one of the most popular ice cream outlets, I would say, in the Grand Place, in Brussels Grand Place, is called Australian Homemade Ice Cream. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, the yeah. only thing that would be remotely Australian would be the butterscotch uh, syrup or something like that. That's the only thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Now, before I let you go, I've taken a lot of your time. Anything you'd like to add? The mic is yours. Anything you'd like to add to the conversation? Uh, just, uh, you know, a, a little bit of support and, and, I guess, advice for any burgeoning um, First Nations entrepreneurs or, or businesses out there that, yes, it can be very tough. Um, and, yes, we still live in in a, in a racially charged nation. And at times that will... Um, come back and, and come back negatively towards you as a business, but don't let it um, deter you from your dream. Live your story, live your dream. And if you're really passionate about that, um, you'll make it. Dr. Clinton Schultz, co-founder of uh, Sober, Australia's first non-alcoholic craft beer. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, Thank you. Want to hear more stories like this? Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.